Welcome to the Crown Council's Mentor of the Month podcast. This is Stuart Anderson with just a short introduction before we get on with the interview with Dr. Eric Goodman and Steve Anderson. We're grateful to have Dr. Goodman with us. He's been part of Crown Council for a long time as he introduced his company foundation training almost 10 years ago to the annual event uh, in a short TED Talk. We're grateful for Dr. Goodman and all that he has done. This episode is all about back health. It's about taking care of the systems uh, that take care of you. So Dr. Goodman shares some incredible information about his foundation training, uh, what's coming next in his book, True to Form, and all the new things that he's got coming out for uh, just this generation of people who are sitting and uh, in chairs and, and in positions that hurt their back. It's one thing that we're very grateful for, for Dr. Goodman, for thinking outside the box and providing things beyond surgery to help with back and back health. So we hope you enjoyed this uh, short Mentor of the Month with Dr. Eric Goodman. We also encourage you to sign up for the annual event. So the 2022 annual event in Dallas is right around the corner. We are so excited that the meeting is filling up. Everyone's so excited to be back together live. So if you haven't, sign up now. Spaces are limited and the meeting will sell out. So go to ccannualevent.com and you'll find all the information about schedule, who is speaking, uh, the hotel, and then obviously the registration form. So we look forward to being back with the Crown Council at the 27th annual event. All right, on with the Mentor of the Month, Steve Anderson and Eric Goodman. Enjoy. Welcome to the Crown Council Mentor of the Month. It's Steve Anderson, and I'm excited to have once again uh, our mentor this month, Dr. Eric Goodman. Who is legendary uh, in the Crown Council. We've known Eric for uh, over 10 years. And I'll just for those of you that don't know Eric, let me just give you a quick background. Uh, his, his intro, and we'll talk about his books. Uh, one of the things that really got my attention when I first met Eric was uh, the comment that he was told by all the medical specialists in his life many years ago was that back surgery is your only option. Uh, and that was uh, what he was told. And uh, he had serious back issues. And uh, because of that, uh, he went on a quest to figure out a, a more natural solution to a pretty severe back problem. And we'll talk about that uh, today, a little bit as background. Uh, he is uh, a chiropractor by education. So it is Dr. Eric Goodman and has dedicated his professional life to teaching the world uh, how to take care of their back. And one of the things that I appreciate the most about Eric is that much of what he teaches is counter everything that I learned uh, growing up, especially in health and fitness and workout, that there was actually many things I was doing uh, that was uh, counterproductive, is actually doing more more damage than good in terms of having a healthy back. So we'll talk about that today as well. Uh, since we've met, he has continued to, to crank out new work. We'll talk about one of his latest books entitled True to Form, as well as two additional books that will be coming out shortly. So with that, um, from Kauai, Hawaii, Dr. Eric Goodman. We were going to have some Hawaiian background music here, but I can uh, add it. We can put that there in. You so good <laughs> to have you with us, Eric. Thank you for Thank taking you. time with us today. So, 
it's my pleasure and you've been you all have been so so kind throughout my whole career i really appreciate it thank you for everything so uh real quick recap of your journey uh when you originally got into uh this work and you know i i kind of gave a little bit of the what started you with your own back problems give us a little background of what got Mm -hmm. you started on this journey Sure. You, you came, you were very accurate. Uh, I was in the process of going through chiropractic school. You know, I'd had back pain leading up to it. In college, I was a very athletic person, played water polo. I, I lifted weights a lot. Nothing. I was not good at anything I was doing, but I was big and strong and doing it with a lot of force. And it broke down my back pretty well. Fast forward a couple of years, I'm in graduate school for chiropractic and I'm sitting much more often you know you're sitting eight hours a day you guys know this you in grad school you you just your health just goes by the wayside for a few years and in that time i really my my symptoms became so exacerbated that i couldn't really get through school towards the end of it i couldn't adjust people i couldn't lean over i couldn't get into the positions that chiropractic requires and i was a strong guy so when i would get into a, an uncomfortable position my muscles would pull pretty hard And it would create these focal points of pressure that were unbearable to the point that it created sciatic problems. It created kind of the the understood symptoms of low back degeneration and disc herniations. I tried to remedy it, tried to remedy it, learned a lot of the basic rehabilitation, could could manage to a degree. But then with the addition of a lot of chiropractic manipulation, which I'm a big believer in, but not when you're a student being practiced on by other students on, a, on an almost daily basis. Right. And it, it becomes hypermobile. Mm. And I really experienced hypermobility in my kind of mid to upper low back and rigidity, deep, deep rigidity and compression in my lowest back where it meets the sacrum. So the best option was surgery, you know, according to a, a DO who practiced with a group of MDs. And a chiropractor was in there. They're like, look, your best option is surgery. This is a little medical group in Orange County uh, in California near where I was going to school. And I don't want to make it sound like I was searching long and far for answers for my back. I was going through chiropractic care, rehabilitating my back as, as best I could with what I knew. I was still trying to lift weights, but it got to a point that I really couldn't do that without hurting myself anymore. And it got to this point where I just, I didn't know where to turn. It got very uncomfortable. And that's when that was kind of the very slow, somewhat arduous birth of foundation training, which at the beginning wasn't foundation training. It was nothing. It was just extending my lower spine enough that the rigidity began to feel protected instead of too rigid. When you extend your your lower back just a little bit, you get these nice little muscle contractions that that initially protected me quite a lot. And I really searched after that feeling as as hard as I could for many, many years. I looked for the feeling of stability at the low spine. That then led to this hamstring recruitment that was very different than anything I'd experienced with hip hinging and some of the early exercises that you see in foundation training. And those isometrics, those postures, these things that, that really helped me and continue to help me, by the way, every day, <clears throat> they really became something. They, they helped me understand the anatomy education that I had over many years, the sensations and changes from accurate biomechanics 
helped me to understand biomechanics and sort of a reverse engineering process. And mind you, this is a very long time. This has been going on every day since 2008. Right. So it's quite, <clears throat> excuse me, it's quite some time. And you just learn along the way. And, and I'm very fortunate to have a good education. I'm very fortunate to be very sensitive to the body and to have people around me that are willing to be very patient with me as I explain to them how, how to do the things. By, by contrast, maybe you could uh, just give a little bit of context with what's wrong with the traditional things that we've been taught. If I go into the gym and I see all the traditional exercises that are being done, you know, lap pull downs and traditional back exercises that are being done, what's wrong with that based mm -hmm. on you know, what we traditionally in our culture focus on versus what it really takes to have a healthy back? Sure, that's a good question. So there's kind of a, there's like a ratio that's off in a sense. We're, we're a front to back. If you look in the mirror, you, you kind of believe in your head that you have as much front as you do back. But, but I'll be honest with you, you don't have anywhere near as much front as you do back. You know, look at a dog, look at a four-legged animal uh, to understand that very easily. And you realize that most of their body wraps the back of them and that the front of them is kind of protected. In the human animal, when we go to standing, we don't become 50-50. We are not a balanced front to back creature. We are relatively legitimately stronger on the backside of our body. And the posterior chain, as those muscles are called, well, it's one of the most important strengths in the body to have. And it is not a individual muscle strength. It is a chain of muscles that learns to be very cooperative and collaborative in its muscle contractions. And it learns through isometric exercises. It learns through walking well. It learns through practicing movement and postures very well. Whereas what you're talking about in the gym, <clears throat> there's a huge place for those exercises. There's a huge place for strong lats, but I'll be honest with you, a lat pull down ain't going to give you strong lats. It's going to give you defined lats. Okay. And it's going to give you the ability to have a belt over you that is taking most of the weight of your body out of its need to be stabilized as you kind of pull something, do pull-ups instead, plain and simple. There, there's kind of a, a the lat pull down or other exercises that are in machines and different things in the gym, they more or less mimic a functional exercise like a pull-up or a row or something that can be done like a climber would do. So most machines are meant to mimic nature and they don't do as good of a job as, as nature does. And that's, that's the ultimate takeaway. That's kind of the ultimate underlying theme of foundation training, I guess, is that our body wants to get better. It wants to move the right way. It wants to take the impedance and interruption out of its nervous system, out of its health, out of its breath, out of whatever it is. It doesn't want the, nutri the nutrition or the environmental toxins to alter how it operates. It doesn't want compression and, and screen time and sitting in these uncomfortable places or recycled air to alter how it operates. But that, that's not up to the body. Those things do alter how it operates. So as the user, as the brain behind the body, we have to take a very autonomous role in not only doing something we believe is good for us, but really doing the research to understand kind of how something is good for us. And that's gonna help us really understand if it is or not. And 
what we've been doing over the years and years and years and years is we've been trying to understand why foundation training and these very specific breathing exercises, these very specific isometric holds are so good for us. Um, and it's just a more natural strength. That's it. It's just a more posture is a very natural strength that a lot of people lack. One of the, one of the big takeaways when we first met was you're helping me understand that most of our activity during our regular days at work um, elongate the back muscles because mm -hmm. we're leaning over, leaning over mm -hmm. driving. We're in dentistry. We're leaning over the patient all day. If you're sitting at a computer, leaning over, mm -hmm. leaning over, leaning over. And, and one of the things I learned from you is that one of the secrets to a healthy back is shorter back muscles, not yeah. longer ones. It, it's it's let's understand that a little better yeah. yeah so it's you're you're kind of from the pelvis up you're a hundred percent accurate from the pelvis up i'll kind of turn profile here a little bit as my sternum so there's an active and an inactive way to do this the the inactive way is usually the wrong way but the inactive lengthener of the back would be to simply drop the front and that discrepancy from the pelvis to the ab or, sorry from the pelvis to the rib cage that's why you see the measuring stick position that we teach in our movements, because you have to elongate the abdominal tissue to balance out the upper back of the body and the front of the body. But from the pelvis down, it actually switches because we sit so often. When we're sitting down, we're shortening the back of the legs chronically. We're shortening the hamstrings chronically, chronically, and we're overstretching, overstretching the flexors of the hip the rectus femoris, the quadricep muscles, the extensors of the knee, all those muscles get elongated at the front. So it's kind of a, you have to imagine a bit of an X where the, the two pulleys up top, the, the fr front's too short, back's too long. The pulleys at the bottom, the front's too long, the back's too short. Got it. And if you think of it that way, it's very confusing. So instead, just, <laughs> just listen to the, the protocols of foundation training and decompression breathing. Uh, they simplify that process a lot. Uh, so what is the difference between foundation training and yoga? Great question. Uh, a lot. To, to the user, everything. Okay. There's no similarity other than the human body doing it. and that it is not external resistance. It's just the body's weight. But just like Pilates and foundation training and Pilates and yoga are very, very different movement patterns, yoga and foundation training, the only similarity is that the hips flex okay. in a hip hinge. Well, in yoga, it's more of a kind of a hip hinge with the, some spinal flexion and different things. In yoga, the hip joints tend to be open away from center. In foundation training, in every position with the exception of two, hips are always closing towards center to open the sciatic nerve channel and kind of the, what's, what's called the lumbar plexus, the lumbosacral plexus at the back of the hips. Um, <clears throat> in yoga, there's a lot of breathing to relax. I don't want you to relax. I don't want people to relax. I, I have found with so many of my patients, especially especially real legitimate chronic pain, not, not a little back pain, a little, I mean, I mean, CRPS, uh, major fibromyalgia, real, real discrepancies in, in the body and in the nervous system. Uh, they react to 
yoga very differently than foundation training. In foundation training, it's a stability. We're looking at any weakness, any injury, and we're trying to protect everything around it. We want to meet that with strength and power. You can call it stress. Let's call the pain stress. You want to meet that stress with stress. You don't want to meet it with, with calmness and serenity. You want to meet it with stability and power. That's what foundation training does. And that's why our breath pattern and decompression breathing is literally attempting to stimulate the sympathetic nervous system by breathing into the dorsal rami, the, the, the rami at the back of the body that actually stimulate the sympathetic nervous system by spreading the back of the ribs apart pretty aggressively in what we call decompression breathing. That is done with the intention of not calming down. We want your body to feel like you're getting an intense workout and we want your brain to feel stress, meet it, relax with it. Feel stress, meet it, relax with it until it almost becomes relatively familiar. And you can be in that higher state of stress and sympathetic drive relatively comfortably. And even more important, you can use your body and your posture and your strength and the senses the sensations you're feeling through the points of the feet we talk about and the muscles we talk about and all those uh, kind of obnoxious things where I'm telling you to feel this, telling you to feel that. Each of those is done to help you get better, better, better at feeling your pain, stabilizing your body or feeling your stress, stabilizing your body and kind of protecting both, bringing both down together. And that's ultimately what foundation training does. Whereas yoga, I feel, is a remarkably Zen practice. It's got a whole culture around it. There's so many different styles of it. But yeah, they're very, very different. The poses look very different. Yeah. So in a profession like dentistry that is stressful on the back, leaning mm -hmm. over all day long, as, as are many different activities that we do, how often do you recommend, and you've worked with a lot of dentists, how often do you recommend they do foundation-based uh, exercises? It's, it's honestly, once you learn them, it's a couple between a patient, really. really? It starts so your morning. Yeah, do a, do, do a pose for 30 to 60 seconds at a time once you're good at it. When you're not working, get pretty good at, you know, on your off days or in the morning before you go in, or if you want to really stabilize after a long day of work, that's when you look at like the 10 to 20 minute straight through routine that gives you some proper fatigue and really challenges the muscles. So throughout the day, it's pattern setting. Just set the pattern, set the pattern. You're going to be, you're going to be leaning over patients. Okay. Your hips need to draw away from your torso as your torso leans forward. Instead of the spine trying to flex, the spine stays long and powerful. The hip joints, the hamstrings, the glute muscles are the drivers of force and strength. And, and they're supporting the weight of your torso instead of that small low edge of your torso supporting the weight of your torso. So that becomes really important just to practice that pattern throughout the day. And by the way, every time I do this, this is my international sign for hip hinge. <laughs> I got you, perfect. I, I find myself accidentally doing that a lot. <laughs> oh, good. Talk to us about the breathing part of this. Okay. Uh, I get the muscular part of it, uh, the breathing part, what part does that play and what does it do? So decompression breathing is something that I introduced in 2011. I wish I had the foresight to put it in my first book, but I didn't trust it yet. I didn't know it yet. 
I didn't know that it was different yet. It was just something we were starting to do very heavily. Uh, we put it in the next book and, and we've, we've really tried to push it out there quite a lot because of what we have found it doing for people. What decompression breathing is, is it's very simple. And you guys as dentists will understand this. It's a constant re-education of the axial skeleton towards expansion. So think of that in your head. It's a re-education of the axial skeleton, which is the spine in the rib cage. That's pretty much it towards expansion, always holding itself broader. And the way that we train it is a very specific way in which the exhalation becomes an eccentric trainer for the muscles that contract and resist the diaphragm. What that means in layman terms and simple terms, in doctor terms, quite frankly, is an eccentric contraction is a contraction that takes a muscle from long and tight. I'm sorry, an eccentric contraction takes a muscle from short and tight to long and tight. It's still contracting, but it's contracting in an elongating fashion. Imagine a bicep curl being pulled against its resistance until this muscle lengthens, but is still ready to contract. So the way that we teach the rib cage is with that principle, with eccentrics during the exhale. You inhale, and I teach this in the work, we teach this in in a lot of ways because it's kind of hard to teach, but we use muscles called the serratus muscles and the intercostal muscles to pull 360 degrees of the rib cage away from center, which naturally stimulates the central tendon of the diaphragm to depress and create this powerful pressurization between the viscera and the lungs and heart. That platform kind of like that is one of the most important movements in the human body. It's actually one of two fundamental human ranges of motion. And I guarantee you 90%, just as many people as have back pain, which you were very right. Most people do almost everybody, every single one of those people in my experience, treating them, working with them and teaching them cannot breathe into the back of their ribs with any expansive force. Really? They can do it at the front of the ribs a little bit, but not into the back of the ribs, which is by far the most important area to breathe into. As they learned during COVID, if you flip somebody over on a ventilator and they're back up instead of back down, they breathe better because there's much more available lung volume in the back of the ribs. The alveoli have an easier expansile ability in this position where the back of the ribs is as expanse exactly, even if you have to round the shoulders to get there. Obviously what we teach is a posture program. So breathing into the back of the ribs is very important, but not at the expense of dropping down. So we've created this leveraging. Decompression breathing is a stimulation of basically the sternocleidomastoid muscle as a upward lever helping the rib cage lift as the back of the ribs are inflated and and expanded to the best of your ability. And then the teacher, the eccentric part is don't let the ribs come back down as you exhale. Instead, use the abdomen, the transverse abdominis to wrap the abdomen. So you take a big, big breath and then you exhale. And the exhale is this long abdominal wrapping. And 
while it's only a beta test with Los Angeles County Fire Department, we did spend several years in the past six years training and teaching a lot of Los Angeles County Department folks. We ended up doing a proper beta test that's leading into more and more research with them that shows that not only is foundation training good for back pain, not only is it good for strength overall and the sensation of strength, but the two metrics that it helped the most were lung volume and stress relief. Amazing. That's, that's a whole additional body of work in, in addition. That's to the new book that we're talking about. That's pretty much the, that's where the direction of our work has really gone. And accidentally, it's just, just by following uh, the, the, the love and, and what's helping patients the most. Walk us through the progression of your work. So when we first met, you had published Foundation, the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of bring us fast forward now to your most recent works and what's in sure. the pipeline here that's going to be coming out shortly. Sure. So Foundation was, was my way of sharing the power of what I call proximal hamstring recruitment and lower back stability together in a health in a healthy hip hinge it kind of went beyond abdominal bracing it went beyond all that and and literally in the title it says redefine the core and it's taking the the definition of the core of the body instead of in a muscular definition i define the core of the body as the pelvic structure therefore that's where the control mechanisms have to attach and the control mechanisms are the muscles that that attach to the pelvis so the core muscles are above the pelvis, below the pelvis, they have to have a direct connection to the pelvic structure. That's the rule. Um, that was that was the 2011 version. Uh, it introduced the first version of about 15 isometric poses. And if you use those, you, you, you got a good bit stronger in the posterior chain. The second book, which was about five years later, actually it was exactly five years later, May 2011. Yeah, May 2016. Thank you, man. Um, is true to form and it's it's where you get to really read what still stands right now as the absolute theory of foundation training that's the theory of the biomechanical practice of foundation training decompression breathing pelvic anchoring those are the two principles that make up our work that over the years we've kind of defined every goal of foundation training into those into one of those two It's either a decompression exercise for the torso or a stability anchoring exercise for the pelvis and the the feet. And those two together make up this foundation training protocol that you can find it on our app. You can find it for free on YouTube. You can see literally working with dentists and sharing videos with them. Um, The the talk I did with you guys a handful of years ago, which you did such such a great job with how that all went together felt like a TED talk. Um, you guys did a really good job with that, but that talk teaches a couple basic things. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of ways you can learn this. The books up to the one you just held, the first two are very biomechanical. Okay. My wife, Jen, is putting out a book called Shaping Your Baby's Foundation, which I think is the most important book of the four that we're going to have. Good answer. It walked, yeah, right? <laughs> I'm learning, I'm, yeah. I, it walks parents, especially new parents, through the first year of life. And it, we follow four kids, including our own, uh, through their first year of life. Photo document over 400 photos, over 500 pages of step by step by step. And then there's a, a really nice appendix and chapter in the back, which is 
exercises for new parents for everything from diastasis recti to basic back stability like we would like we would be teaching in foundation training. Uh, so that one's coming out uh, at the end of the summer. And then I ha that one's shaping your baby's foundation. And then I have a new one coming out in January, January, mid-January called Foundations of Health, uh, which is a very definitive evolution of, of not only my work, but the perspective that I'm viewing patients from and that I'm trying to help other, especially pain practitioners or pain sufferers. My goal is to give them three avenues that can change their patients' lives. And they're not that hard to come across. They're working with the most natural mechanisms of the body to help it adapt out of current patterns towards healthier patterns, if that's what you're trying to adapt into. Uh, the first one is posture and breath. And it's not just foundation training, but it is, it, it is of course, centered around the work that I teach. Yeah. And that's my only real expertise, mind you, is there. I don't have it in these other things, you know? I'm learning these other things and I've been observing patients and experts and I'm just blown away at two things. Heat therapy, sauna can drain the lymphatic system better than any detoxification in the world. So for a patient and not infrared, I see a lot of infrared stuff, man. I'm, I, real traditional hot saunas that make you sweat very uncomfortably. Those are incredible for mental health and for chronic pain. Incredible. And for depression. Absolutely incredible changes in patients and in myself, my view, from the sauna in particular. So one of the things that I recommend to any person is get whatever version of a sauna you can or get access to a, a, an LA Fitness, a 24-hour, whatever you can that has a sauna. There's tent saunas that are inexpensive. There's really beautiful. We have a personal one in our house because we take it as the most important investment we kind of make in ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can really, you can make some really wonderful changes in your life with stressing the heat system and the benefits uh, that come from that. So is that dry heat sauna? Dry heat sauna. Exactly. Yeah. You want it to be 180 degrees or so you want it to be very very hot to where if you actually steam it, it you can't steam it too much it's very it becomes unbearable you you know and then you spend a good 20 20 minutes or so in there there's tons of studies and in the book we go into all of the scientific studies that support sauna use in various ways uh and we go into five or ten case studies of people that use this combination of foundation training sauna and then the last one which can be a little bit it can get people a little huh it can, it can trigger some people a little bit, but it's the endogenous cannabinoid system, not cannabis, the endogenous <laughs> cannabinoid system, which is absolutely named after cannabis and for good reason. But every mammal, it's not just humans, every mammal with a spine has an endogenous cannabinoid system. The research on it started in about 1995, 1996, and it was named poorly because the way they found this system was in studying the effects of cannabis on the body. Oh. There was a bunch of researchers in Israel that were studying the effects of cannabis. And what they found was the adaptive slash homeostasis stimulation center in the body. That's the best succinct definition I can give it. What it does is it is stimulated by different foods, different stressors and cannabis. This system is ever present in our body. There's two types of receptors, CB1 and CB2, and they help the immune system communicate with the central nervous system. 
It helps nerves not overstimulate or understimulate. And it helps neurotransmitters understand if they have secreted too much or too little. It's literally, there's the, the, the neurotransmitters that stimulate the endogenous cannabinoid system are the only ones in the body that move retrograde from post-synapse to presynapse, whereas all other neurotransmitters move presynapse to postsynapse, and they kind of create this cleanup crew. And I had no idea about this. I just thought it was interesting. And I am a personal fan of cannabis for various reasons, but more so I've seen patients get better from cancer. I've seen patients get better from pain. And some of the most intelligent doctors I know are using it more than anything for their patients. Um, and the science, I, I, all I do is I just challenge people, go look at the science. The book goes very deep into it and the various methods of how it helps our body actively adapt out of old patterns into new patterns. And it is interestingly sort of the adaptive mechanism of the human body or of the, the mammal body. Every time I talk to you, I get a whole new body of work. I got to go yep. study. <laughs> so this has been great. Um, it's the most uh, wild part of research happening in medicine right now, if you want my yeah. opinion. Huh. Very cool. Um, walk us through resources. Uh, as you know, as I've said, I'm a huge fan of your work. Um, I, I do foundation training myself every day. It's part of my, my uh, exercise routine has been huge. That's why you still love it. And yeah. And, uh, I, you know, story after story, after story, I've recommended your work to thousands of, of people everywhere, but especially in dentistry and the stories are amazing. So, uh, real quick, walk us through resources. If this is new information to somebody, where do they get started? What do they do? How can they get into the work? So I hope you all will check out our website. We have one main website, which is just foundationtraining.com. And the reason I want you to check it is it's a cool website that you'll find a lot, but we make everything on our own. We have a small team and we have a big reach. So everything you see foundation training has literally been created by one of three doctors, the most creative one is Dr. Dustin Duricki, who's been on my team since day one. He start, he invented this with me. He brought this out since, since, you know, 2009 or so. And we have created these really interesting animations that are actually the poses muscularly and at bone level animated. We have a whole new certification protocol coming out with an in incredible online curriculum that then leads into a mandatory in-person uh, certification course. We have an app that has become very popular and it's called foundation training. It's in the app store. You just go to stream.foundationtraining.com and you can sign up and create a login. It's $15 a month or $150 for the year, but it is our entire catalog of everything we've created. And we yeah. add to it every single week. Very cool. And yeah, then, people are really enjoying that a lot. And then all the books are on your website. Uh, no, actually, books are just on Amazon. We have the, the two books that are currently available in that are actually out right now are Foundation and True to Form. Jen's is available for pre-order. That's Shaping Your Baby's Foundation. And mine will be available for pre-order maybe in a month or so. Uh, maybe it might be up there now, but I don't think it's quite up there yet. Very cool. You are a wealth of information and uh, in an area where there is not a lot of it. So you've done, you continue you know, some amazing work there. I can't believe how little is known about the power of mechanics. I, I, and, and by the general population, 
there's just too many stories of people that have helped themselves with with without medications and really gotten past some pretty pretty challenging situations physically by simply becoming more physical taking their health more seriously finding the right coaches finding the right information you know really just being diligent and in your field i would compare dentistry very similar to a, it's funny the fields that i work with the most doctors in are dentistry absolutely yeah. plastic surgery really? ophthalmology well think of what all of these have in common ophthalmology and neurosurgery all of them are at this stage, almost all of you are looking through loops at various surgeries or in that position of kind of a conical focus on a very convergent space. And you're, you're, it's just like looking at a computer screen, but you've kind of cantilevered yourself 30 degrees or so. Um, it's, yeah, it's a very interesting, I wanna help you guys because it, it helps our work grow. But I also want to help you guys because I, I know that most of my friends that are doctors also for whatever field they're in, they they really enjoy doing it. You know, it's not like my buddies that are accountants and things like that. <laughs> you know, you're, you're physical, you're interacting with people, you're helping people. Very cool. Eric, thanks for your time today. Dr. Eric Goodman, uh, foundationtraining.com is where... Uh, a lot of his resources reside. And again, I can't... I cannot recommend your work more highly, especially to the dental community. It is, it is the secret to a long, prosperous dental career and being able to do the work, do dentistry, because you got to have a healthy back to do, to do dentistry. Wow. So thanks for your contribution to the dentistry, to dentistry itself and, and all the lives that you have, careers that you have prolonged. I uh, got a lot of those stories and people that you've helped. And thanks again for wow. your time, Eric. Thanks so much. That makes me feel so good. I can't thank you enough. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm on cloud nine over here. Thanks guys. I appreciate the support and uh, I hope I get to help a lot more of you. Thanks so much.